0: Told me that her story is uh, somewhat like mine. She moved to the Thumb in seventh grade. Uh, Dad was pastor at Kilmana, and yeah, and she also just no, she loved this place, is what she said. She said I fit right in. I said they didn't, they didn't like me at first, Uh, but uh, and she moved from Louisville, Kentucky, so more of a city than Waterford, I guarantee that. Uh, But uh, uh, it's it's awesome. Uh, just to hear that, and and man, um, yeah, I'm so grateful, uh, I tell many people grateful for what the Lord did to move me up here in the friendships, and, and um, just uh, how he grew me is just so wonderful. So um, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Hebrews chapter number 4, Hebrews 4, we've been talking about how to be the church, and um, day one, uh, and We've been using these let us statements that the book of Hebrews gives to us that calls for the church, the, the persecuted church, the church that's under distress, What, how they're to live. So it said, let us stir one another up to love and good works. Uh, let us run the race that is before us looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then yesterday we talked about let us come and worship the Lord in reverence and awe and And we worship him by our lips, by what we say, and then by our actions and our works, by what we do. So this morning uh, may be a little different. Uh, In Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 11, says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Now, uh, different translations, what do you have for the word strive there? What do do you have? Different word there, anybody? Diligent, Diligent. what else? Every effort, anybody else? Okay, enter into it. Somebody said labor? To me, when I think of labor and rest, those are two things that seem to not go together. Yet the Bible says, let us labor or let us strive to enter that rest. This morning, we're going to talk about how does the church rest? Are you good at resting? Who in here goes, Pastor? I am really good at resting. Anybody want to raise their hand? That's me. 20-minute nap nap does it. Not for me. You can ask my wife. 20-minute nap, I'm the biggest jerk after a nap always. So it's just, uh, hun, I just am. After naps, I'm bad. But not a good rester. Anybody in here go, I'm terrible at resting. I'm bad at it. I struggle to rest. I think that maybe in America today, The supreme goal is to have rest. Maybe in front of everything, maybe even in front of money and fame, if I can just have rest. And I thought about rest, like what is the goal? And so I want to give you a visual picture because that's what I do. All right? So I just wonder, is is this the goal right here? I mean, is this where we want to get? Right here. Right? Is this the goal? And matter of fact, even better, I don't want to hear anybody else. So is this the goal right here in life? To find ultimate rest? I would contend the Bible says it's not. Now, do I like that kind of sitting on a chair and doing nothing? Yes. Next week I'm going to have a little vacation. Looking forward to it. But is this, I'm going to move this out of the way so I don't trip and fall. is, Is this the rest the Bible talks about here? And to find true rest in the Lord. I would contend that in our culture today we have more toys, more vacation, and less work. Yet we may be the most unrested we've ever been. That we have the least amount of rest. That where we're at to just have true rest. So this morning I want to talk about team rest. Because here's what I think is really important. It says let us rest. We as the church have to learn to find rest. Because if we're not a rested church, we're not going to be able to serve how Christ has called us to serve. We'll even get the thought that, man, i got to rest today. So gathering together with the saints, I don't really, I mean, I have this lined up and this lined up. So how many things get put in front of the church and we go, I don't have time for church because if I don't find rest, I'm going to lose it. We have our kids' sports and activities. We have all of those things. But how do we find true rest? When you study this word, the, the literal meaning, uh, the basic ne- definition is to cease working. But when it is applied to God's rest, one defined it as it means no more self-effort as for salvation is concerned. It means the end of trying to please God by our feeble fleshly works. One went on to say that rest is freedom from whatever worries and disturbs you. Some people cannot find rest mentally and emotionally because they are so easily annoyed. This morning I wore my Rage Monster shirt, so if you ever watch the YouTube sensation Dude Perfect, it's five guys and they have this Christian testimony, but they have millions of followers and one of their characters is a Rage Monster. It's somebody who loses it. You don't have much rest there. And so rest is when we have freedom from worries and things that disturb us or freedom to not be so easily annoyed or disturbed. Why is it the church, we are the ones that are so quickly annoyed? They sat in my chair this morning. That's where I usually sit on Sundays. They changed the carpet. They have a different color light than what they used to have pastor is wearing a weird t-shirt but we get so easily annoyed and by by things that just don't mean anything that everything upsets them they always feel hassled rest does not meet mean freedom from all from all hassles it means freedom from being so easily bothered by them it means to be inwardly quiet composed and peaceful entering god's rest to means to be at peace with god free from guilt freedom from worry about sin god's rest is the end of a legalistic work and experience of peace in the total forgiveness of god here's the thing god offers true rest And I know in here we have many different stories. And so trying to find that rest isn't a, okay, I found God, it's easy. No, we're honest. Rest is hard. Rest for our souls is difficult. One, we live in a broken, beat-up world that will beat you up. And it hurts. We have hurts. We have struggles. and So finding that rest in the Lord is so important. I want to study in Hebrews because I believe it helps us to understand this rest. So at the beginning of chapter 4, I read you verse 11, but just to give you um, the understanding of the passage. So at the beginning of chapter 4, actually let's go back to uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 18. And it says this, "For, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses, And then you get to chapter 4, it says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by the faith with those who listened." So here's the rest offered, and again in Hebrews, remember uh, yesterday, it it went back to the Old Testament, it talked about if we're going to experience, or to to give true worship, we have to see both mountains. We see the Mount Sinai, and God's uh, power, and his holiness, and to be in awe, and we see Christ, and His great, like we see both of those mountains to worship. See, I told you I was going to trip. But... um, here, the same thing, right? These, these are the Israelites, the people who have come to know Christ, they're being persecuted by other people saying, hey, you don't really follow the Lord, uh, you're following Christ who isn't the real Messiah. So the writer here, again, knowing what they know, goes back to Moses goes back to when they came out of Egypt and they came up to the promised land, the land of rest. And so the writers here says, hey, you know, we were offered rest. God saved us from slavery. He brings us out of bondage. He takes us and he says, I want to give you the promised land. This is the land of rest. So in Numbers chapter number 14, you can flip there a second. Numbers 14, it tells us the story. Of coming right up to the edge of rest. Right up to the edge of the promised land. What did they do? They sent twelve to spy out the land. Ten were bad and two were good. What? Did, no, I'm sorry. Uh, you know that song too? Alright, just making sure. Preaching your churches is so easy. Alright, it's great. But verse thir- chapter 13, 27, And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And they said, No, we, we, we can't go in. It's too much. It's too big. Yet there's a great promise and in chapter 14, verse 6, it says, well, first, Caleb speaks up. Caleb speaks up and says, what, 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 are, what are we doing? This is what God has promised. And then Joshua in verse 4 says, Joshua and Caleb were among them who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation and to the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. I love that. What is he saying? I think it's pointing to what we use now. Uh, This is a piece of cake. That's what he's saying there. They are bread to it. This is a piece of cake. If the Lord has promised it, if this is what the Lord has, it's going to be work. There's going to be strife. But this, with the Lord's strength, is a piece of cake. And how did they respond? In verse 10, they all in the congregation said to stone them with stones. And luckily the Bible says the Lord showed up and stopped them. And here in Hebrews, we see that the writer uses the Israelites to say, they were offered rest. They were offered to come into the promised land, and they came right up to the edge, and because it looked too hard and too difficult, and truly because they didn't trust the Lord, they didn't enter the rest. And that's what it's saying here. And then when you get to verse uh, Hebrews 4, 8, sorry, I'm jumping around a lot, it goes to Joshua. If you know, when they didn't go into the land, they had to roam, right, for 40 years. Everyone over the age of 20 did not get to go into the land. So after those 40 years, then Joshua is able to lead them into the land, What is interesting here in verse 8, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest from God, would not have spoken of another day later on. The writer is saying, Joshua didn't give you rest either. Because you entered into the land, but you still didn't trust the Lord. And we see the history of the Old Testament. What is it? They didn't trust Lord. Lord and they did not enter his rest. How do we enter the rest of the Lord? Well, the first of that is we have to trust the Lord. The Israelites saw God's work, they knew the power of God, they knew, they saw it, they knew the laws, they knew what they were supposed to do, but yet they did not trust him. And so God says to enter his rest, we have to trust him. Famous verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are, I, I will give you rest. The Israelites didn't follow it. They, they didn't trust it. We know now, as Hebrews tells us over and over again, what does it do? Hebrews builds chapter 3. It says, hey, Moses, there's one far greater. Joshua, there's one far greater. Earlier in this passage in chapter 4, it speaks of David. There is one far greater. It is the Messiah. It is who we are called to trust in. One book said, first trust in Christ's sacrificial death. It begins our rest. By giving us rest from the burden of guilt, from our sins, and our gnawing conscience. It says, just as a child sleeps in its parents' arms, so can we rest in the Lord. So it says, come to rest in Christ. So that's when we get to verse 11. It says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. Again, pointing there, they missed it. They didn't trust the Lord. And then it goes in this interesting passage that I think many of you know verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirits and the joints and the marrow. It goes to speak about the word of God. You may go, "Well, well, how does that flow together? I believe it is pointing to if we are going to find true rest. We find it in the truth and the word of God. Here the Bible says that we must, this this living, the word of God, it's active, it's sharp, it convicts us. So finding that rest, I think, starts with, hey, the word of God, it, it brings guilt upon us so that we can mourn and receive comfort. One said the word is living and effective, It is able to pierce the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Scripture untangles the human heart and unearths sin like no other book can. No other book can discern the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. Only God's word can do that. The word of God cuts through the sin and the darkness of the human heart to restore the spiritual heart. And to place Christ where he needs to be. So first church, if we're going to let us rest, we must run to the word of God. We run to it. Why? Because it convicts us and we need it. We need it to convict us when we're selfish and we're petty and when the rage monster comes out of us. We need it to convict us so when we so easily are lured away, so easily our heart is enticed to run, the word of God convicts us to bring us back to the right path. It's why it's so important we read it and we study it. It's just not a kind of sort of thing we need. The word of God shows us what is true shows us what is wrong you know our culture today we i I almost think we we kind of sort of had you know uh even in our culture there was a teaching of what was right and wrong on the word of god and we see that as going away we see that um people don't know i i um uh, as a pastor, I do many weddings, and so before I do a wedding, I sit and have counseling uh, with couples and and so we have younger uh, men in the church, pastors in the church and and so they they will sit down with me and go, pastor, what do you do when what do you do when certain situations arise? What do you do when when um, you know there 's a couple and one of them that follows the lord and and one of them doesn 't what, what how do you have those hard conversations? Let me tell you, there's some fun conversations. And so I had a young pastor come to me, uh, and he said, okay, um, I got a situation. This couple, they've just come to know the Lord, and, and they, um, uh, they want me to do their wedding. It's like in five months, and, and, they, and he said, but they just moved in together. What, what do I do? And so I, I told them what I do. And, and I said, I'll sit down with them and I will tell them, hey, I love you and I care for you. And here's what the Word of God, here's what God has called me to do. If you both say, hey, we follow the Lord, then trust the Lord, right? Know that His way, ways are true. Hebrews tells the wedding bed sh- or the bed should not be undefiled. Like we, right? Follow the Lord. Know that uh, marriage and what it is, and now you're living together, like trust Him. And so I'll go to them and say, hey, if you both follow the Lord, because I also meet people who don't follow the Lord. I, I tell people, hey, if you both follow the Lord, then let's, let's, I'll marry you. If you both don't follow the Lord, well, I don't think marriage is just for Christians. I'll marry you. But if you're unequally yoked, well, then, then we got a problem. But he said this, this couple, they're now living together. They've come to the Lord. What do you do? And I said, so here's what I do. I tell them, hey. If if you want to follow the Lord, you want me to do the wedding. This is my conviction. I believe from the Word, I'll do your wedding, but you got to get married next week. And I said, they'll be, I said, we'll have the party in three months. We'll we'll have this. It's great. But if you want to, if, if you feel like, hey, this is, and, and we talk through, and you feel like you're equally yoked, and you're taking, then let's get married next week. Go get a marriage license. We'll come to my office. We'll have a couple people. Let's, let's do this thing. And then in five months, we will have the party. I said, or, when he you just got to move out? You got to move out. Honor the Lord. Trust him. Believe what he says is right. Hear the conviction. I said, or I give him a third option. And it's a hard one. But I look at him and I say, or you tell me, we don't want to follow the Lord. We, we don't want to follow the Lord. And I said, if you, either of those three, I will love you and care for you. And so this young pastor came to me and said, okay, I'll, I'll go, okay. And so he sat down, this couple, he came back to me and he was just, he was just, just thrilled. He came back to me and goes, pastor, I sat with them. I began to share the word of God and what he calls us to. And they looked at me and said, We didn't know. We're new. Nobody taught us the word of that. We didn't know this is not. They said, we're moving out right now. Right now. And you may be like, why didn't they know that? Because there's no foundation anymore right? They, they don't know the Word of God, so people come into your church, they don't know what the Word of God says. It's why we have to be so entrenched in the Word, and we can't just have this, say, well, you should know. Why should they know? We know because of the Word of God. We know because somebody in our life loved us, right, and trained us up on the Bible, and people in the world, they have nobody teaching them. They don't know God's truth, and so as the church, right, we rest by growing in that Word, and then it's so awesome. We get to teach people god's truth and he was so thrilled he said this couple looked at me and go pastor if this was what the bible says we got to follow god's word we want to honor the lord how awesome is that huh but this is the word of god it convicts us we follow what it says and can i tell you it will give you rest can i tell you about that couple it gives them rest And going, man, we're going to follow and be obedient to God. The word of God gives us rest because it convicts us of sin. The word of God gives us rest because it tells us of the future with the Lord. We talked about this some last night, but we hear the promise to be with God. We hear the promise of, man, we have in here, we have loved ones who have passed, and man, we have a promise that gives us rest, that they're with the Lord. And I know there's some, I, I, we so want them to be here with us, but man, there is an eternity coming, and we find our rest in the Lord and knowing this life is but a blip compared to eternity with the Lord. We find our rest than in the promises, the current promises. Like all the Beatitudes. like Think about the promises of the Lord that give us rest right now. That Jesus says, blessed, right now. How? Because you are a part of the kingdom. We who accept Christ, the Bible says, we're a part of the kingdom now. It says, we are comforted. We shall inherit the earth, and there's a new earth coming, praise the Lord. We are satisfied. We receive the mercy of the Lord. We see God and will see him face to face. We are called sons of God. We are in the family of God. Here we find rest in the Lord. We have to know his word. We've run to it. Are you finding that rest in God's truth? So saying all that brings me back to the church. That The church needs to find its rest in the Lord. We find it in the salvation of the cross. It is our true rest. We find it in the conviction of sin and we repent. We find it in his truth. We find it in the future promise and we find it in the promises now. And now we take that rest. And we share it with each other. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now that verse is a mouthful, but it is wonderful. It says, if we find the rest in the Lord, and it doesn't say there'll be no afflictions. It says, in the afflictions, in the struggle, in the hurt. We know following the Lord, the Lord doesn't go, man, you accept me now. Your blessing is peace now forever on this. Like, no, there will be strife, tribulation. Tomorrow night, for those of you who stick around for Friday night, the, the true believers all every day at camp, We're going to speak of blessed are those who are persecuted. There is a struggle, right? This land is not our home. But God says if you know his comfort, then you share that comfort. If you are comforted by the Lord, let us rest in the Lord, but then let us share in that rest. Knowing God's comfort. But you know, back in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But the next verse always confused me. Because the next verse is, it says this, Take my yoke upon you. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot of rest. Right? The yoke of oxen that you get in. in Get in the yoke. You know the, the, that is where the oxen were, and you, you 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 farmers need to know. Yeah, you all know this, right? That's that's they they pull the plow. They're the workers. He says, "Take my yoke upon you." Takes me back to Hebrews four eleven. It says, "Let us labor to find that rest." And I think. We can be deceived as the church to think, I I just need to go find the chair. I'm gonna do what the Lord wants me to do, but I gotta get done with that as soon as I can to truly find rest. And the Lord says, No, where you're gonna find rest is in my yoke. Is when you're doing my son, maybe your son has never been like this. This is just an example. You tell your child to go clean their room. In like 13.4 seconds, they come back out. All good! You know, he runs back out, jumps on the couch, grabs his video game. Good! Cleaned it! Did it! Good! Got to get back to what I... And you kind of mosey into the room. You Go back out there. Say, son, I need you to come look at your room. Okay? This... Not clean. Taking everything and hurling it under your bed. Not clean. Now, our son never did. I'm just saying children could do this. Your children probably never. Right? But is that how we serve the Lord? The Lord says, hey, I've called you to do this go into this family, help clean up the mess, go and care for them, go and do this. And it's like, we okay, I'm going to do as fast as I can so I can get back to rest. So we look at the church and what the Lord's called us to and how we can serve and our gifts. Instead of looking them in, I am going to serve the Lord and honor him and how he has called me to serve and how as the church, we're one body helping each other out and when we serve the Lord, and when we work for the Lord, that is where we will find the rest. It is not in doing nothing. It is not in trying to get done. Rest is in the work of the Lord. Rest is in the, under the yoke of Jesus. That is true rest. And may we be challenged as the church to think about how can I serve because that is how I'm going to find rest. Lord, how can you use me? What what can I do? How, How can I use my talent and then how can I step into a place where maybe I'm not talented but nobody is else there so I'm jumping in anyways. Jesus, what is the yoke you've called me to? I've told you, I love serving in the church. And there are those days when it is wonderful to be tired with the flock of God. It's a, it's a rest. It is wonderful. So maybe we rethink it. Rethink what it is to enter his rest. So I'd like us to break up in groups. Got three questions for you. Number one, what are your bad habits of rest? What are they? I don't know if we have any bad habits of rest. Anybody else have bad habits of rest? I don't have any bad habits of rest. No, this is, right, convicted of this. Because I can sit here and go, well, I'm just going to go sit and, and, and I'll sit on the couch and watch videos, and that video and that video. That's what's going to give me rest, and it doesn't. It's just a waste so many times for me. just convict God, how do I change this so I don't think this is what my rest is? So talk about your bad habits. Second, how do you rest in the Bible? Are you finding that time to rest with the Lord? And we're all different. So I don't want it. some of you are like, man, this person they are so they get up and they are this reader at this time and, and they do th- this is their Bible study. I don't know how to do my Bible study that time. Know that we're all a little different. Know who you are. For me, if I don't do my Bible study before 10 a.m. If I don't sit with the Lord before ten, it is not it's a very low chance. I just know me because in the morning my brain's together. After that, it's gone. So even as a pastor, when do I set my time with the Lord? In the morning. When do I study for the In the morning. Time with people is in the afternoon, but just knowing thyself. I love, I study, I come to the church when nobody's there, right? Because I'll be like, what, what'd you say? And then I get distracted. For me, time with the Lord, I, I will take walks in the neighborhood of the church just to, because then I'm just by myself and I take a walk with the Lord praying scripture having rest in him so how do you find that rest as you gather group maybe you'll help somebody else go that's a great idea i'm gonna i'm gonna implement that so i can spend time with the lord and find that rest and then take time to pray for one another this may be a time where you're a little more vulnerable but maybe you say hey i'm struggling to rest in this And you take time to go, hey, let's pray. Why? Because I have been comforted and I want to comfort you. I want to pray that God will comfort you. I want to pray. That's what the church is, right? There are times when we come in and we we don't have rest. What do we need? The church to gather around us, to love us, to care for us in those seasons of hurt and pain and struggle. When you're struggling to breathe, struggling to sleep. Struggling to work. What do we need? The church where people are learning to be rested so they can share that with one another. It's so important. So take time. Share how you're struggling to rest. How you can pray for one another. and How you're finding rest in God's word. All right. Take some time to do that. We'll come back together. All right, everyone, wrap it up and come back together. my favorite things is just watching the church pray together. Uh I love it. And um at our at our at our local church uh we have uh section leaders and they're just there to pray with people and they just I love after gatherings when when I'm done preaching the gathering's not over, remember it just goes until everybody leaves but uh then people just gathering to pray and it's just a wonderful thing. So just looking out seeing you pray together Uh, it's it's so beautiful so one last verse and then and then we'll be done um just speaking of the church I love first Thessalonians it says we urge you brothers admonish the idle encourage the faint hearted help the weak be patient with them all see that no one repays evil for evil but always seek to do good to one another and everyone And to everything. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse 14. Or chapter number 5 verse uh, 14 and 15. Just just so wonderful who we're called to be. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord thank you for this morning. Well God I uh, so thank you for your word. Well God I pray we'll learn to rest more and more on you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that you're with us now. Well, God, we sure do thank you for your word and that it convicts us. We see your amazing promises. May we honor you as the church, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day, everybody.